Hi, um, welcome to the Ambitions Podcast. My name's Mandy and I'm joined today by my colleague Becky and we're going to be discussing building successful teams. For me, when I think about building a successful team, really we have to start at the, about thinking of the purpose of the team, what it's there for and, and what its goals are. And once you've established that, really it's thinking about each of the roles that make up that team and defining them and how the people fit into those. Yeah, and not getting caught out, I think, with thinking a more senior role is more important. Um, every person in that team obviously is important. It doesn't really matter if they're coming in trainees or, you know, if they're doing a very senior, very technical, that sort of thing. It's, everybody's important. Yeah, and I think it's making sure that the team members understand each other's importance as well. Uh, because nothing can function correctly otherwise, can it? You know, if you think about sort of, you know, even taking it to a basic analogy of some sort of production line, if the smallest part of that isn't working, then the product comes off faulty. And that's the same, isn't it? If a team have got a chink in, in that and one of the roles isn't functioning properly, then they won't achieve their end goal. And actually, we find ourselves that often people come to us when they've got a gap in their team. And that can be perceived as a, as a negative time for them. But I see that as a real opportunity. Yeah, I think sometimes they just dive in and, um, you know, often people just do like for like. If, uh, you know, somebody's been doing that role for a number of years, do you think they just straight away think, well, we'll just replace it with somebody very similar? Do you think that's a, I think that's probably, you know, a reaction that often happens. And we think obviously it's a better time to sit then and just reevaluate, don't you think? Yeah, definitely, especially if people lose a, a high performer. And let's face it, high performers are more likely to move on than the average members of your team. And I mean, all the team members are, are, are equally important, but, you know, your, your top forms are likely to move on. Yeah, the temptation is to look for someone really like a clone of the person that's left if they're great. Yeah, and I think if you probably take this opportunity to stop, listen to your teams, talk to your teams and find out, in fact, is that the position we want filling? Is Has it changed? Has it evolved? Has somebody been doing that a long time? Does it still suit the, you know, the culture that we're in? Does it still suit what everybody else wants? Is there somebody else in your team that might want to change what they do? Perhaps that's seen as a promotion or indeed just to, you know, vary their role. Um, you know, we have had one person in the same role for probably over 10 years, very happy to do that. But, you know, there must be a point when they want more variety or there's something else we can change around to make that job different. So don't just dive straight in and think, well, we'll just do like for like. You know, consider first of all, is it something we should, you know, perhaps look at changing or integrate with somebody else? Or as I say, perhaps offer as a promotion. Yeah, I think that's a lot, a lot to think about. Um, and the market is changing very quickly these days. So we, it's an opportunity to reevaluate, isn't it? And like you say, if you don't promote people, you may lose them anyway, and you might find, might find yourself with another hole in your team. Um, so for me, it's a, quite a positive thing. Um, and once you've established really what the opportunity is and what that vacancy should look like, it's really thinking about the best way to go about recruiting it. Yeah, and, and you know, interviewing. I think we, you know, everybody has their own style. Um, but I don't know what you think, Becky. If you think that you know you can leave it to one person because. I think we all fall in the trap of recruiting somebody that's either like us or we like. And I think that's quite easy to do if you're just one person. Um, you know, and is that the best way? Should you be looking at different styles if that's your current? You know, obviously people do, do already do it differently. But I think, you know, for me, one person interviewing is, you know, quite risky if you're just going to have nobody else to, to make a suggestion as to the best person for the job. Oh, I think if you can have a balanced interview panel of two or on some occasions maybe even more people, um, 
different people look for different things and by using competency-based interviewing and personality profiling that adds some real balance to what you're doing as well rather than like you say you, you it's easy to be drawn to somebody who's perhaps very similar to the person that was doing the job before um, or similar to yourself or you know if you are the person who's maybe doing the, the sales marketing to that team you might be looking for somebody with that type of personality but it might be for more of a data type role. Yeah and you've got to remember haven't you that it, you know on many occasions and things like you say you know personality profiling they're perhaps helpful as an additional tool um, if you're taking on I don't know somebody's never been in your industry before or you you're faced with more than one candidate who probably could do the job any additional tools like that have got to be a positive and just help you make that final decision yeah i think you make a really good point if you get down to a couple of really close candidates you know do you think there's value in the meeting the team but i think more and more companies do that and uh, you know i think that's be a really good idea because you want to see the culture of the company it's not just about companies choosing people anymore is it it's about candidates choosing the company they want to work for so the more you can do to encourage them or get them to see what it's really like working for you then I think that's got to be a really big positive to recruit the right person for this role. Oh increasingly it's absolutely an employee's market you know people can pick and choose often people are offered you know more than one job so as a business it's around promoting that and many of us make our decisions around you know we spend a lot of time at work so working with people in a team that you like and you feel you can gel with and rely on is, is critical so the more involvement the team can have in that process it's it really there's times when you're trying to convince that person to accept your job you know it used to be the flip side of that didn't it did and you know now once you've got that team member and getting the best team member is obviously your primary aim um, it's not about money it's getting the right fit you know for your department it's obviously now we've got to motivate them we've got to keep them haven't we you know we've got to think of things about the current team you have or any new members of the team how are we going to keep them how are we going to keep them happy yeah and I think that you know we've talked about balance we've talked about equal importance of all the roles but the thing we haven't talked about is really the importance of that team having a really good leader and being able to identify the individuals within the team and what's important to them and to be able to drive the project or the goal forward. Um, but also to look at, you know, if we're looking at doing things like team building um, and those sorts of opportunities, they need to understand their team and what makes them tick. Yeah, because we don't all want the same things, do we? You know, some people might want to be in a team, you know, some things outside of work appeal to some people don't appeal to others but I'm also thinking about the things on a day-to-day -day basis you know how we get feedback from our teams listening is very important it's very expensive to lose a team member uh, it's very disruptive to the rest of your team so I think it's critical you know you can't leave something till an end of year appraisal for example um, something like you know talking to your team every week policy I think that pulse surveys are great if we're asking the same questions throughout the year of the same teams, then it really, really enables you to identify if something's changed, if there's pressures on the business at certain times, maybe due, due to um, peak workloads, or whether there's changes in the business, you may have a new manager, you may have a new team member, you may have somebody off sick. And actually, if you're asking those people all of the time, you can you can identify things. And actually, I think that can prevent attrition. I think it can. And, you know, and a Pulse interview particularly, Pulse survey, sorry, you know, you're asking the same questions. So, you know, you might see it for a few months, it might look the same. But if you've got, particularly if you've got teams that are not sort of all based together in one office, and you've got one team that are getting really high scores, and you've got one team getting particularly low scores or all of a sudden getting low scores, 
and you can capture that very quickly, that's got to be good for you. You've got to think, well, why is one performing better than the other? What's changed or hasn't anything changed? Is it their environment? Have you put somebody new into the team? You know, you've got to be able to look at that and looking at that on a weekly basis um, might seem extreme. It's quite a quick idea, but obviously you, you're not waiting these long times. You know, even if that's a month and you're doing a monthly appraisal example or six months or a year, it's a long way to go down the line before you can spot an error and keeping your team motivated uh, and working, you know, all together as a team, the goal of that is, is obviously it's got to be so much more beneficial for your company. Yeah, I mean, people always think as well about you. You know, when you're talking about rewarding teams, it's about recognition as well, isn't it? And I think it's a simple thank you and uh, a note to say, you know, you've done a great job or picking up the phone or actually going and finding that person is goes a long way. Yeah, it's not about money. I mean, I think we all recognise that people don't tend to leave their jobs or be particularly unhappy about money. It's usually about something else. So picking up on those things like you say, uh, you know, I have uh, a colleague who says that every day she went home, her manager used to say thank you. Yeah, And when I first heard that, I thought, you know, how unusual that was. But actually, she's carried that throughout her career. You know, she she's worked for that particular company for over 10 years until she moved. Um, and she said that the very fact she got a thank you every night, you know, it didn't go away. She didn't think, oh, it's just a routine. She actually really appreciated that. And that's, that's free, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And it's making sure that those people within your teams and your lead and your team leaders are actually making taking the time to share that acknowledgement so you know you can't be everywhere all of the time but to actually bring their team's achievements to your attention so you can take a minute or you can pop and see that person at the desk or whatever that may be yeah and we talked about the other things are you know Christmas parties and all sorts of things like that and I think everybody's keen to go out and make people run around the block and uh, I'm not sure I'm that keen well <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're, we're particularly keen on that type of thing, but obviously not everybody is. So you, again, you've got to think about those types of things where you are mixing it up and you're not doing all of the same thing all of the time. But, you know, you're, you're listening to your team. You're asking them what they want to do, what, you know, what motivates them. Might not be anything that you'd even expect, but until you ask, you won't know, will you? No, and I think you also have to expect, accept that some people just don't want to do that type of thing. And if they're happy not doing that type of thing, then to try and force them into it can be counterproductive. But really addressing that, and that's again where your team leader comes into it, isn't it? Where that manager, if they understand the people they're working with, then, you know, it's horses for courses at the end of the day. And as long as people are happy and are happy coming to work and, and, and it doesn't affect the team environment, then that's something I think we need to accept. So you don't want me to sign you up for the 10K this year? Definitely not this year. Okay. <laughs>